0: Greetings, we're thrilled you've returned to the Black and Grim Podcast, an original horror fiction performance. Come in, come in. I am Mr. Black, narrator and host of our beloved podcast. Tonight, it is my dark pleasure to share Season 1's final chapter. Our resident madman Grimm really pulled out all the stops for this one. Ah, but let us go now and join our heroes for episode 10 of Danny's River. evil man stood in the doorway. His pencil mustache glistened in the gloomy light as he smiled at us. His yellow smile showed far too many teeth, all significantly sharper than they had any right to be. A smoky gray suit swaddled his portly frame, its fabric almost indistinguishable from the surrounding darkness. Beady eyes danced as Scott scrambled to join us across the room, I recognized the man immediately. I- impossible You-you can't be him, I sputtered, knowing the truth, while simultaneously trying to convince myself it wasn't true. You're Joseph Hopland. His smile widened when his attention shifted from Scott to me. Something primal flickered behind his eyes, something akin to recognition, but it faded into mirthful indifference. In the flesh, a gentle, unassuming voice flowed from the man's condescending mouth. He lifted a meaty hand upwards and tipped an invisible cap. There ain't no damn way! Impossible, you say? Far from it my boy, little is impossible when you've the mind for it. He cocked his head and stared at me with apparent curiosity. A sharp pain in my arm forced my attention away from the strange man. I looked down to see Kara's hands wringing my bicep, though she hadn't taken her eyes from Hopland. Fighting the instinct to rest my limb free of her surprisingly powerful grip, I, instead, tapped her wrist. My efforts met with a blank expression until she followed my nodding head down. Thankfully, the pain lessened as she loosened her hold. Just let us go, she whimpered, edging closer to me. Yeah, man, Scott added, moving several steps beyond the big man's reach. We don't want no trouble. A merry chortle reverberated through the room as Hoplin studied us. While his laughter stole from deep inside his broad chest, it seemed to flow from the walls and every scrap of furniture within the room, almost as if this man, this impossibly alive man, and the asylum were one. In another world, the sound might have prompted my own laughter. But now, in that place, in that moment, an involuntary shudder convulsed along my spine. You've come to the wrong place if that's what you don't want, Hoplin said, wiping tears away as his large frame shook with unconcealed mirth. Knowing all we'd experienced just in the last 24 hours, I wasn't inclined to share the man's amusement. Let us go! I commanded. The amulet pulsed comfortingly against my chest as I spoke, sending reassuring pulses through my body. It prompted a curious peace within me, and I felt a powerful swell of energy, like water dashing against the rocks on its journey across the rapids. This time, my words met with something akin to hate. I knew, in that formless way you know about impending doom, or when your instincts scream to avoid some catastrophic situation, he meant to harm us. Not just the harm those creatures outside had done to Miranda, nor even the harm Todd enacted on my family. No, I sensed much worse than Joseph Hopland. I sensed An overwhelming urge to consume our very souls. Unexpectedly, in this man's presence, my amulet hummed louder than it ever had before. It caused my vision to ripple. When it did, I saw a second image, transposed over the reality we thought we had been lost in. Where a balding, well-dressed man had stood seconds prior, I glimpsed. A bloated, boil riddled fiend with distorted features simultaneously humanoid and alien. Unfathomable black holes studied me from where his eyes had danced seconds before, and his lips twisted in a putrid smile, revealing jagged teeth that were so, so unbelievably sharp. More? A layer of rot and grime caked the entire room as if the asylum's attempt at sterility had been an illusion. The amulet pulsed again and the world returned to normal. But I had seen its truth and would not be fooled again. What do you want, monster? I demanded, claiming I was not afraid, well, that'd be a lie. I hadn't stopped being scared. But I was done playing the victim. Somehow, I needed to get my friends to safety. I wanna know why you in my home, boy. The good humor fell away. Hoplin straightened, adjusted his tie, and stepped in towards us. Instinctively, we backed away, as if recoiling from a horrid stink or a leper's touch. In the hallway beyond him, bestial snarls filled an otherwise silent world. An involuntary shudder assailed me as I replayed the beast tearing Miranda apart. An anguished moan nearly tore from my lips before I could halt it. I want answers! I want to know why my mother... why... I trailed off, unable to voice my need. Why did it matter anyway? i had stumbled into the realm of monsters, expecting answers, demanding evil play by my rules. (sighs) Foolish hopes. With no likelihood, I'd even achieve paltry satisfaction. Stupid want, boy. Another fool entered this very room in search of answers, he said, thoughtful and more to himself than me. My father... I started before I could catch myself. Too late. The damage had been done. His dark eyes widened in sudden recognition. I knew your smell was familiar. You are her son then. A wicked smile creased his sagging jowls. Perhaps you'll prove useful after all. An enraged snarl rumbled down the hallway behind him. The monstrous caretaker glanced over his shoulder and peered into the outlying gloom. Whatever crept in the murk wilted beneath his gaze as its growling ceased almost immediately. As my friends and I hovered near one wall as close together as we could manage, I listened as heavy forms skirted over the floor. Was it one of those creatures from outside? By its heavy dragging sounds, I suspected something far bigger and probably significantly nastier. Shortly, Hoplin nodded approvingly and regarded us once more. It is no coincidence you've come to this room, the monster said to me. But let me ask you this. What would you trade to be rid of your monster? What are you talking about? Sniffing irritably, he answered, The pet must have found you. Otherwise, you would not have come here. I looked at my friends. Pet? Scott mouthed. Pet? I asked out loud. Have you met my other pets? The hounds, as it were? He asked, ignoring my question. Hounds? You mean those fucking creatures outside? Kara snapped. Indeed. Indeed. They keep the unwanted from my doors. Although he paused to gaze thoughtfully at us. His uncomfortable gaze took each of us in at turn. I don't know how my friends felt, but I gagged over the mental image he had somehow done worse than see me naked. I felt dirty, as if I had not seen a bath and Lord knew how long although it seems they've been a tad lax tonight. They killed our friend, you son of a bitch! Kara snarled, lunging towards him. Luckily, I caught her before she got too close. I pulled her struggling frame back into me, safely beyond his reach, or rather, far enough away so we could maintain some illusion of safety. Don't, I whispered into her ear, as she fought to get free. Hey, don't. You'll kill us. Let go, she hissed, though with diminished fire. Be grateful you live. A dangerous coldness replaced Hoplin's jovial airs, prompting another nervous tremor through me. The amulet churned against my breast. When Kara pulled away, she asked, Danny, do you hear it? Water, I hear... It sounds like a river's nearby. Mentally running my fingers over the blue line, creasing the beautiful wooden disc, I physically restrained myself from touching it. Half-forgotten words stole through my mind. Words coming from Kara's mom. Words about the river and her children. As my mind traversed backwards, Joseph Hoplin's demeanor quavered within poorly bridal rage. Much like crosses and garlic kept the vampires abated, and holy water compelled demons toward revelation, my amulet, my mumbo jumbo talisman, it distressed the monster at the door. Scott shuffled uncomfortably, but otherwise remained quiet. None of us wanted this stranger's attention fully settled on us, least of all me, and yet. I knew I had to do something to get us to freedom. Glancing at my friend, then to the trembling woman in front of me, I felt my insides hollow out and a numbness settle in. Danny? Kara murmured. Realizing I hadn't answered her, I whispered, I don't hear anything Kara, honest, Danny is it? Hoplin's heavy brow knitted together as if he were trying to remember something that remained just out of reach. His hand casually rested on the doorframe, lending the illusion of a man merely hanging out. Finally, he said, You have questions? Come, I would offer you a trade. Don't listen to him, brother, Scott urged. But, I found myself saying, we've come all this way. I have to know. Logically, I understood he meant to cheat us somehow, catch us off guard long enough to swoop in and devour us. Another part, a less fearful nugget within me, knew I'd found what I came for. I stepped away from my friends. Yes, t'would be a shame to come this far and to paw empty to handed my friends reached for my arms to prevent me from following him. Fueled by an uncanny force, I shrugged them off. Scott stumbled backwards into the nurse's desk. His arm flailed out as he fought to keep his balance. While he managed to retain his footing, he knocked the desk so hard, the files Kara and I had been studying scattered over the floor. Kara's grip gained better purchase and her nails were long enough to latch into my arm's bare flesh. Even so, I managed to extricate myself. Danny... A familiar voice whispered in my mind's deep recesses. Danny, don't do this. Quiet spirit! Hoplin snapped, glaring past me. He waved a ringed hand in the air, as if to stir the gloom with his stubby fingers. The polished wood grew hot against my chest as I stepped closer. The voices wordlessly screamed for my attention, though their words sounded faint and garbled. The louder and harder they called, the hotter the amulet felt to my bare chest. Suddenly, a swimming sensation washed over me, a nauseating sensation similar to when I jumped into the river to save Kara, pummeled my insides until bile seeped out onto my lips. My hands lifted, unbitten, to my temples as if they could contain the blazing pain. Then, as the world started to spin around me, I stumbled forward and blacked out. I came to some time later, in another room. As consciousness greeted me, sudden panic prodded my body into motion. A gentle hand pressed against my chest before I could barrel upright. Turning, I met Scott's worried eyes. Our gazes held momentarily, lending enough time to glimpse defeat poured into the red veins pushed towards his pupils. I didn't immediately register. The light had improved enough for me to glean this detail. Only after he looked away, nodding towards a direction I couldn't see without turning, did comprehension dawn. What happened? Passed out, brother. Scared us. His voice carried a tight weariness I had not previously noticed. It drew my attention forcing me to really study my friend's face. Well, what I could see of it anyway. Fear had etched lines into his handsome face, smearing sweat from brow to jawline. A soul-crushing dullness quelled his eye's customary brightness. He didn't look okay. Far from it. Scott looked like he would fall out at any time. Where are we? I asked, looking around the tiny room. No decoration. No furniture. The compact cell barely had enough room for us to sit with our legs outstretched. I scanned the blank olive walls and the solid metal door behind Scott's drooping shoulder, allowing my eyes to make several circuits around the room's perimeter before I realized Kara wasn't with us. Plunging forward, causing my groggy frame to crash painfully onto my knees, I cried. Where's Kara? What's happened? Scott, man, tell me. I'm here. Despite being slightly muffled by the stone walls, her quavering voice drifted from the cell next to ours. I was still somewhat loopy, but guessed she had been placed in a cell to the right of ours. Are, are you all right, Daddy?" I stood, wobbling slightly, and moved to press my face to the wall, so we could hear each other better. I'm okay, are you? No, not at all. Tears filled her voice, but she shoved them down beneath Iron Resolve. Talk to me, are you hurt? I asked. She didn't immediately answer. Kara! Movement in the cell. Then, from farther away, she said, No, but Daddy, I don't think... <sighs> I think he's gonna kill us. I'm... Oh, God, help me. I'm so scared. Us too. we We'll figure something out. We will. This last bit was more so for my own benefit than my friend's. I didn't know if any of us believed we'd figure anything out. We were fucked and knew it. How long have we been in here? I asked, rubbing a grimy hand over my chin. (sighs) Dunno. Hours, maybe. Time's funny here, Scott said, climbing to his feet to stand next to me. He made me carry you. It's... (sighs) He wouldn't touch you. Like, you disgusted him. Weird, huh? Yeah, we're somewhere deeper in the asylum. On the lower level, though this place messes with the mind so much. Honestly, I think we're closer to hell than I ever thought I'd get. Scott scratched his head and leaned against the wall, defeated. My hand fell to my chest, where the river amulet still hung beneath my shirt. It pulsed against my palm, reminding me of a cat's contented purring. I'd heard another spectral voice, familiar, and yet different than others I had previously heard. Moreover, Joseph Hoplin had known the ghost was there. Shivering, I squeezed the smooth wood more tightly and lifted it to my lips. Whose voice had come to my aid? We'll get. I trailed off as scraping metal noises echoed around us and to my horror, the heavy door swung outward. What What the hell? hell? Scott and I said together as we retreated deeper into the tiny cell. If I am being honest, I really expected we would peer out into some shadow-soaked corridor and see nothing, instead a frog-faced man barely tall enough to reach the door's locking mechanism, stood with this dwarfish hand holding the now-open portal. Two large eyes studied us from the wide face, their golden irises flickering in the chamber's pallid light. Wild hair, more akin to mangy pubes, sprouted from the man's lumpy head. Compounded with an impish jeer, Complete with two rows of extremely tiny teeth, he conveyed a rather startling sight. After a moment, he motioned for us to follow. We didn't budge. Ain't no way, man, Scott snapped. He pushed his back against the wall so hard, he skidded across the stone towards me. For my part, I didn't intend to follow either. The diminutive... The man frowned, causing his head to sink into his squarish shoulders. I expected him to barrel into the room and sink his teeth into us. Tensing, I half turned to protect my body as best I could, but his assault never came. Instead, he released the door and, using both arms, motioned for us to join him in the unlit hallway. Guys? Kara called. Apparently, the newcomer hadn't thought to free her when he opened our chamber. When we didn't answer, she cried out again, this time terror piercing the forced calm she had tried holding onto. Danny? Scott? What's happening? Please, please don't leave me alone here. Say something, please say something. She grew softer with every word, until her final plea greeted us as little more than a broken whisper. We're here, I called, in some vain attempt at consoling her. My eyes never left the frogman, as his never left me. Yet I wanted to save her, to make good on some inner need to protect the people I cared about. Stealing myself, I added. You're gonna make it through this, you've got art to share with the world, you've got an amazing life to live. Besides, your mom would be pissed if I didn't make sure you got home safe and sound. Come, come now. The man's reedy voice prevented further discussion. I hadn't expected him to talk, if I'm being truthful. Let our friend out, Scott commanded, refusing to move from the wall. Frogface shook his head. No. He would not let our friend join us. Where are you taking us? To see him. And while he didn't clarify who him was, I knew. He meant to take us to see Joseph Hopland. Only you. Friends stay. My friends are coming with me. I snapped angrily. Balling my fist as I stepped towards him. Friend, stay, he repeated. His bulbous eyes never blinked. Neither did he give any indication. My none-too-subtle threat distressed him in the slightest. Friend, stay, or I hurt you. Go to hell, I snarled. "I well, not now, though now i take you to him scott and i exchanged uneasy glances i didn't intend on leaving them in these damn cells and if i understood the hard look he leveled at me scott didn't plan on remaining either his jaw tensed a telltale sign he meant to strike i had been friends with him so long I knew how to read the signs indicating when his trademark cool reached its breaking point. We turned towards the small man and, thinking our size held some advantage, seemed to read each other's minds. My friend has always been quicker than me. Ever since we were kids, he had been the king of dodgeball or tag. He had never cared for organized sports, but I've rarely seen another with Scott's natural quickness. So call me foolish, hell, call me stupid, but I figured we could latch hold on the little fucker and toss him in the cell while we made our escape. Holy God, we didn't know how absolutely unabashedly wrong we were. Things went really bad, really quickly. As expected, Scott reached the little fucker first. His arm swooped down to plug frog face into his arms. But as quick as my friend was, he wasn't fast enough. Instead of darting away, the imp lunged toward Scott's exposed wrist. An anguished shriek, followed by a hot crimson spray, immediately halted our assault. I tripped into my buddy's writhing back as he struggled to unlatch the dwarf's mouth. Grinding teeth tore into his flesh birthing, sickening, ripping sounds. Scott! I screamed, rushing to grab our attacker by the hair. While I managed to tangle my sweaty fingers into a particularly wild clump of greasy hair, his grip on Scott's arm proved much stronger. When I yanked backwards, his head, along with Scott's arm, moved with me. Agonized moans oozed from my friend's mouth as he continued to punch one punch moan followed by another punch skip repeat variation only came with how desperately i tugged let go you bastard i snarled punching the imp in the temple instead of opening its mouth freeing scott from continued torment it glared at me and wriggled its teeth in his flesh. Blood poured openly down Scott's arm. He slipped in his own ichor, landing with a thunderous crash on one knee. The imp maintained his hold. Then, to my dismay, it latched its surprisingly sharp nails in Scott's throat. Desperation filled me. I needed to get the bastard off before he killed the only family I had left. So with sweat pouring down my bruised and battered face, I hooked my arms around the thing's neck and dug my thumb into one of its eyes. Screeching loudly, it released its hold on my friend. I dug my finger deeper into its eye, feeling the slimy ball swell and writhe beneath the pressure. Once upon a time, I don't know that I'd have the stomach to do this. But now, with too much death behind me, and our lives hanging in the balance, I kept digging until I felt his eye pop. An exultant howl tore from my bloody lips as the imp's hand clamped over his maimed socket. Celebration proved short-lived, though. As Scott toppled against the bloody doorway, the dwarf turned its hateful attention to me. Cal, Oh! Oh! And, and it moaned, gore dribbled from its mouth as it mechanically rounded on me. I'm not scared of you, I spat at him. Frog face spit grizzle from bloody lips as his ruined eye poured down his cheeks. He moved with the calmness you find in horror movie serial killers. I wanted to scream, whether fear prompted it or my mind had merely snapped. I couldn't tell you. Somewhere in my mind's broken corners, I heard Kara calling for us and my friends labored breathing. Inane laughter bubbled to the surface until it tread the borders leading into hysteria. None of this made sense. Even so, I was done playing the fucking victim. My hands curled into fists Coagulating eye jelly and not quite red blood squished through the gaps between my fingers. Putrid stink filtered in the air around us. Beyond gagging, I barely registered how abhorrent the smell was. Instead, I wiped a knuckle across my nose and stepped to one side, putting distance between the imp and myself. Channeling my innermost grizzly I emitted a particularly impressive roar and lunged onto our assailant. I managed to hook one hand around his good eye and the other around his forehead so I could tilt his head to one side. My momentum propelled me behind him, making my grip more secure. At least, I thought it did. He jerked forward forcefully enough to pull my hand from his forehead searing pain flare from just below my elbow when his too wide mouth closed over my arm and snarling the fucker bit down. We struggled together, his teeth digging deeper and my fingers mercilessly gouging out his remaining eye. Then, unexpectedly, I heard a sharp intake of breath followed by his small form tensing in my arms. Several heartbeats passed before I realized he had released my arm, even more before I registered he had gone limp. Disgusted, I jerked my arms away, lifting them above my head. He's dead, Danny. I lowered my hands. Scott's face seemed off, feverish and glistening with a ghastly sheen. Blood poured down his neck, undeterred by his feeble attempts to contain the flood. Viscous copper coagulated on his wrist as it hung limply at his side. His hair matted against his head and a sickly light burned in his unfocused eyes. He motioned towards the dead dwarf at our feet. My pocket knife, which Scott had managed to keep hold of during our capture, jutted from Frogface's thick throat. The body had toppled onto one side, kept partially upright from the sturdy handle pressed into the floor. I leaned down to retrieve the weapon, turning up my nose as fecal stench wafted skyward. He had shit himself. Guys! Kara called through her shuttered cell door. Please let me out! Yeah. Okay, Scott said. He painfully shifted to undo the chamber's locking mechanism. However, he had lost too much blood. A fresh geyser spewed from his wounds, stealing whatever strength he had held onto. His shoulders sagged, strength failing, and he closed his eyes. But what I was scared might be the last time, You'll get her," he said, nodding towards Carousel. "I think I'm gonna sit right here." With that, Scott's legs buckled. He slid down the wooden doorframe, smearing dark crimson in his descent. When he hit the earth, seconds later, he leaned back into the wood, struggled to catch a decent breath. My instincts screamed to go to him to make sure he was okay. My mind knew the truth though, and knowing it, I freed Kara from her prison. Moments later, we crouched around our friend. We had deposited Frogface into a cell and closed the door, diluting the pungent aroma to bearable levels. Scott's skin adopted an even grayer pallor as his vitality seeped into his garments. Kara crouched to one side, I to the other, and we exchanged troubled glances. What did we say? How could we make anything better? Reading our thoughts, Scott said, I'm dying. Shut up! No, you're not! I snapped, unwilling to verbalize the truth I already knew. Sorrow welled, threatening my face saltwater grief. I couldn't meet Scott's eyes. Not now, knowing I'd led him to this end. What kind of friend had I turned out to be? I am. Simply put, yet had firmly delivered. He grimaced as pain spasmed along his dying nervous system. He lifted his fist towards his mouth in time to shield a wet sounding cough. When he lowered his arm, brilliant red tinged his lips and speckled his dark hand. You... you... you've got to... He trailed off, his eyes rolling to show the whites. I reached for his shoulder, but stopped myself when I noticed his body small, albeit violent spasms. Scott? Brother! You you can't die on me, man! not now I screamed he's gone Kara said gingerly as she slowly stood he's gone a faint voice whispered in the ether behind me you lie you lie I screamed to both tears blotted my vision and though they stung my eyes with their assault I I didn't wipe them away instead I shook my friend's limp form. I gathered everything I had and tried to whale back life into him, but Scott's eyes were already glassing over and his chest's rhythmic rise and fall steadily ended as the last tendrils of air eventually pumped free. I am afraid she does not, interjected an all too familiar voice, my hands fell limply to my sides, and as my bedraggled mind haphazardly wrapped around the newcomer's words, my vision rested on the bloody doorframe above Scott's head. I felt Kara's hand dart to my wrist, clutching it with enough force to nearly thrust me from my momentary delirium. Behind us, heavy footsteps moved into the cramped outer room. Still, we didn't look back too scared to acknowledge the boogeyman as he strode forward, too terrified to accept his presence. No, I breathed, suddenly crashing back into myself. My heart berated my chest with the drummer's abandon as I turned my head. No, no! Hello Daniel, not you, you can't be here. Todd Wilkinson smirked with an almost teenage wistfulness as he closed the gap between us. Kara scrambled to her feet and stepped towards the cell she would only just been freed from. Terror carved exaggerated lines across her angular features, casting them with ghoulish contours. A mad light burst in the madman's eyes, brilliant in their own right, while showcasing opposite extremes. As for myself, I crouched, half-turned, and stared dumbly as the murderer came from me. God, how I wanted to cry. wanted to be sick. Wanted. I don't even know. I can. I am. He stopped three paces behind me, choosing to come no further, nor seek to consume us. And the hidden maw behind his too-friendly mask. Hesitation, if that's what it was, allowed me time to scramble to my feet and step next to Kara. I clutched her hand in my own to lend strength and take comfort in her presence. I forced my eyes away from my murdered friend. I couldn't cry. Not now, when blinded eyes might lead towards a violent end. Kara huddled against me, though her eyes occasionally drifted to the blade still buried in Frogface's throat. An uncomfortable pause gripped us, as if we had ventured so deep into the storm would somehow stumble into its eye and the false calm it provided. Why are you here? I demanded, not knowing what else to say. For you. I don't belong to you, cocksucker! better me than the master of this asylum." A nervous flicker passed over him, as if his entire essence shuddered at the thought. Had I blinked, I might have missed it. Even still, I wasn't wholly certain it existed outside my imagination. You're nothing but his pet. Just a little fucking dog who thinks he's got the biggest dick on the mountain. I sneered unwisely goading him, a dog who wanted to hump my mother's leg and murdered my family because they wouldn't play his games. Shut your mouth! He screamed, raising a fist to strike me. Go on dog, hurt me! I won't play either. All your stupid letters fixating on people who didn't want you, you're nothing, nothing! A primal snarl. Full of untapped, untamed rage reverberated against the bare walls with such volume, it was all I could do to keep myself from holding my hands over my ears. My hatred stilled me, lending ample strength to deny him satisfaction. Todd's bony hand gripped my throat before the sound died. He lifted me into the air by my throat, though he did not squeeze exceptionally hard. Still, I clawed at his fingers with both hands and kicked at his stomach. You do not listen, Daniel. Charles thought to agitate me in a similar fashion. You saw his final moments, yes? (laughs) Todd laughed as he lifted me higher. My breath caught in my throat and a grayish fog pressed in from the edges of my vision. Not everyone is afraid of Joseph, boy. And not all... pets... keep to their station. Regardless, my true master has... elevated me beyond Joseph's control. Let go of him! Kara yelled. While I kept the murderer distracted, she had plucked the bloody blade from the imp. Not expecting compliance, she wheeled on Todd and silently, buried it to the hilt in his upper thigh. She was an artist, blessed with deft fingers. To this end, she jiggled the knife a little and yanked it free. Got you fucker! Pain coupled with rage, as another animal scream tore from Todd's lips. He simultaneously released my throat, causing me to tumble onto Scott's corpse. And backhand Kara across the floor. The strike heralded a particularly loud crack, causing me to momentarily think he had broken her neck. But no, not dead. She had nursed a spreading bruise with the dirty hand as she sat, legs tangled beneath her, where she had landed. Get up, the murderer commanded as he returned to the dimly lit doorway. In the distance, the asylum clamored with renewed energy. Somewhere, doors open and bang shut over and over again. Howls, moans, voices calling for us. But not only us. They called for him too, though the names used weren't always familiar. Todd's malice wilted as his attention moved from us. To those formless sounds. With him distracted, I seized the opportunity to try and escape. Ignoring my burning joints, I jumped to my feet and reached for Kara's hand, the one touching her cheek, not holding the knife. Stumbling, we attempted to circumvent Todd. After all, his frenzied eyes seemed to focus on everything and nothing, as if he saw those who called for him I managed to push Kara's bent form into the hallway when I was roughly shoved into the wall. Dazed, I slumped to the floor again as my hand jerked free, and my friend, the last girl in this hellish horror movie, tripped over her own feet but managed to keep upright and just beyond Todd's reach. Not going anywhere! The monster snarled as he towered over me. "'Run, Kara!' Too weak, too tired to yell. My words barely reached a whisper as I made eye contact with her. The amulet throbbed against my chest as a calm wave tried. God, how it tried! The flood threw me. "'Can you hear it?' she said, keeping our gazes locked. "'She's calling you, Danny. She's been calling you.' "'Run, Kara!' I implored again. I didn't want to acknowledge her words, not now, when all hope seemed lost. Even so, my hand moved independently of conscious thought and removed the polished wood trinket from beneath my shirt. The blue streak shone with a brilliance I had not previously seen, its color a reflection of the purest river. No, not just the river. But the river, big letters y'all, the river that runs through all things, the one that encapsulates life and death, that flows with time, that is both its servant and master. For the first time, as the monster stood over me, I looked into the amulet's deep aqua streak, and saw the nameless thing's enemy looking back at me. No. Todd whimpered as he recoiled from me. No. You can't. You are mine. I did all. I took a... No! I lifted the leather thong over my neck and holding it like vampire hunters wield their wooden crosses or garlic clothes I thrust it into his face. The effect was immediate. No human male raved above me, nor, I realized, that he completely resembled the monstrous creatures we had fled from earlier. The others exhibited cunning in their ruthlessness, though it somehow felt more beast-like. Todd, or whoever he truly was, seethed with very real, absolutely murderous sentience. Yellow saliva dripped from his curved mouth. Too many serrated teeth bared at me, threatening death if I moved closer. His reddish eyes narrowed as they repeatedly switched between my hands and my tight, bloodless face. The clothes, which had been relatively clean moments ago, now hung loosely from an oddly elongated frame. Where I glimpsed naked skin, I noted flesh that seemed both made of scales and scarred bark. A clawed hand hovered in the air between us. Long fingers opened and closed like a heartbeat as it dangled inches from my talisman. Get away from me! Mine! Mine! Righteous fury burned within me. I lifted the amulet towards his, its, face. A killing whine rose from his slender throat as the monster retreated a few steps. I moved from the wall, holding my arm out to warn him away. Todd cowered down, arms outstretched over his head, as if protecting himself from even seeing the symbol. The wood rippled in my hand. The river coursed along my nervous system Awakening something, deep within me. Come on, Danny! Kara called from the doorway. I chanced to glance her direction. She flapped a hand, beckoning me to follow. I couldn't leave without a final dig, foolish perhaps as the goading voices steadily grew louder. Still, after all the crap I'd been through, that this pathetic creature put me through, I felt like I earned it. I wasn't stupid enough to crouch down in front of the sniveling monster, even with the amulet held between us. You may have killed my family, but I've never been yours. Whatever the truth of this place, you're just some petty monster. And I beat you, you son of a bitch! I beat you! With that, we started running. His howls followed us around many twists and turns, but I never peered back. I never wanted to know what I'd find over my shoulder. I think Joseph Hoplin's asylum had a mind of its own. A sour, corrupted mind intent on consuming us or leading us into the mouths of monsters. Distant poltergeists hammer the dark world and occasionally, A door would clatter shut as we ran by. Curiously, whenever we paused to catch a momentary reprieve, I noticed how the walls and passageways no longer held the pristine quality we had glimpsed upon our arrival. Increasingly, the place adopted a shabby, run-down vibe akin to what we had seen outside. Eventually, I mentioned this to Kara. She said, This isn't an Asylum for Good Souls, Danny. We kicked back the rug and showed the rot underneath. Now, hey, do you see that? She pointed to a small narrow doorway in the nearby wall. I looked towards that way only moments before and hadn't seen anything other than bare surface. A frigid chill racked me when I stepped closer to see the dim outline of steps. Leading down, steps carved from rough stone. That wasn't there a minute ago. This place plays its games, she said, musingly. Do you know one of the earliest meanings for cove was den? Or cave? Not sure where it originated. I mean, nowadays we think about the coast, but... What if his cove isn't so much a cutesy name, as much as him literally telling the world... This is his den. The air seemed to chuckle, prompting another nervous chill down my spine. I don't want to go down there. I think we have to. I think... I think that's the way out. And he's down there too. Nope. Fucking nope. The asylum rumbled again as if some unseen giant was shaking it free of its goodies. We heard the crack first, then the dust billowed up around our legs. Instinct took over. We dove towards the open doorway as the walls and roof caved in behind us. We lay on the cold stone landing as the dust and grit settled around us. Heartbeats later, we regained our footing and surveyed the wreckage. To my surprise, there wasn't as much damage as I expected. We could, time permitting, remove the crisscrossing beams enough to climb over and return the way we had come. A portion of the roof had caved in, though it had nearly disintegrated upon landing. We could go back, I murmured half-heartedly, as if waiting for me to speak Something growled somewhere around the corner, just beyond our light of sight. Groaning, I ran my fingers through my mangled hair. I repeated it a couple of times before I realized the amulet wasn't in my hands any longer. Panicking, I scanned the floor. What's wrong? Kara asked, her eyes following my frenzied movement. Amulet! Was all I managed to say. Blessedly, I didn't need to search very long, it had fallen from my grasp and rolled forward. I located it three steps down, which happened to be one step shy of pitch black. I bent to pick it up, but hesitated when my hand grazed a deep black. Struck by a sudden crawling sensation, it felt like the darkness had stroked my knuckles. More it seemed almost tender stealing myself I rocked on my heels and scooped the amulet by the cord with it around my neck again my terror didn't pierce so deeply do you still have your cell? I asked Battery died surprised it wasn't taken when we were sent to those cells but nothing makes sense anymore got the knife though she shifted on her feet and looked at the blood stained blade she had somehow managed to keep hold of. That's something, I guess. I started forward, but stopped. I turned to the pretty artist and ridiculously offered her my most roguish smile. Ah, <sighs> it felt fake, plastered on to mass the myriad emotions battling for purchase. I opened my mouth to speak, to offer something pointless in an effort to make everything, uh, I guess just to hold back the evil for a moment. She held a steady finger against my lips, silencing the words before they found open air. Then she leaned upwards and kissed me. Daniel! God damn it, go now! I screamed, shoving Kara forward. Down the steps, now! Todd Wilkinson had found us again. Under no illusions the debris would slow him down for long, I prayed the steps didn't drop off into oblivion or lead to a danker hellscape than the one we were fleeing. Our feet thundered downward. To our left, a wall ran alongside the steps. Far from a smooth surface, I scraped my fingers over a jagged stone numerous times. Each consecutive jab stunk just as much as the first time, and had I had a light to offer illumination, I'm sure that I'd have seen a bloody trail smeared along our path. As we ventured deeper into this new abyss, the air grew colder. Sheer panic had managed to warm me, and I'm sure carrot endured much the same, but this Prove more than adrenaline could dampen. Additionally, the air smelled wet. I'd gone spelunking once or twice in high school. This reminded me of those times. There's... Kara! I think there's water nearby. On cue, the staircase emptied out onto a sloping stonework floor. Torchlight flickered ahead, revealing a low ceiling pathway. I'd have to duck to enter but the dancing flames revealed no alternative route. I led the way, making sure to take Kara's free hand in mine. I like to think she considered it a chivalrous act. Truth be told, I was so damn scared and, well, it made me feel a little safer holding her hand, being connected like that. The tunnel narrowed and lowered to the point we couldn't walk. Rather. We were forced to our bellies, and crawled for another claustrophobic eternity. But finally, we reached the other side. On standing, we saw obsidian water, too dark to see below the surface. It filled an impossibly high ceiling cavern. Was this a lake? When the amulet pulsed against my chest, I knew my answer. No, this wasn't a lake. She's calling. Hear her? Excitement pierced the dread, lifting Kara's voice. What do you mean? Your amulet, Danny. She speaks through it. It's, it's so loud here. And you know what? I heard her. The river. She didn't speak with words. That's never been nature's way. Mesmerized, I removed the amulet from around my neck. Captivated, I stepped towards the water. I fell to my knees next to the smooth, inky surface. I held the beautiful talisman above the water and watched as the rich blue streak shimmered between faint cerulean to deep royal to every shade of water imaginable. It ignored the surrounding darkness emitting its own illumination, in defiance. Please don't! Joseph Hoplin stood nearby, his arms folded across his broad chest. Daniel! Todd screamed from the tunnel we had traveled through. Stop me! I plunged the amulet into the Stygian waters. Brilliant, magnificent blue flowed out from my hand and revealed the water. I watched as it devoured the black, as if eating away cancer. The mountain shook overhead as the change gathered speed. The water rippled, sending cascading ringlets outward. I was. No, we. The amulet and I were her heart, and as the monsters closed in around me, we beat life back into this dead river. And suddenly, understood my mother hadn't come to work here because of some perverse desire to work for monsters my father hadn't come here because he was a jealous husband needing answers to questions he couldn't ask Anne hadn't made this amulet to merely protect my mother from creatures like Todd Wilkinson and Joseph Hopland no we came to fight the darkness we came to wage war on the nameless thing. The monster who murdered my family tore through the tunnel and leaped towards me. I tilted my head far enough to see him come. I also saw the mad artist, the woman I jumped into a river to rescue, rushed to intercept. The Todd creature landed several feet from me. He bowed his legs to leap again. Why he didn't track her movement I'll never know, but Todd's flight ended abruptly as the knife, having feasted on his blood once already, plunged into his chest. However, while it might prove fatal to someone like, well, me, it merely disrupted his trajectory, causing him to drop several inches from my hip. Kara scrambled towards me, unexpectedly avoiding retaliation from the creature. My hand remained submerged in the water as she moved. Impressed, I watched and wondered what would happen next. It occurred to me, as I did this, to wonder where the asylum's master had gone. I expected him to linger by, to swoop in, while we were distracted by the murderous tide. I remembered his expression when I plunged my hand into the water, rage. And fear. He had lost his game for now, and having done so, fled into his hellhole while the pet tore us apart. I am going. going to. to eat you! The Todd creature hissed. He attempted to jerk the knife from his chest, but Kara must have gotten it hung on a rib or something because he had to rock it back and forth to free it. Blood oozed from the cavernous wound, but he managed to regain his feet. Tossing the weapon to the side, out of our reach by far, his serpentine face crinkled into a malicious smirk. Slowly, he added, licking his lips with a long, forked tongue. He rushed towards us again, this time in a fluid motion. I pulled the amulet from the water, and holding it in my fist, punched outwards. The world erupted around me, and... Nadia Preston struck with her mother's heart, piercing the monster's chest. I love you, kiddo. Charlie Preston struck with the Preston's bravery. Prestons don't run from monster's son. They fight until the end. Walt struck with the brother's love. Got your back, big brother. Promise. Miranda struck with the righteous knight's honor. Be brave, even if you must stand alone, Daniel. And Scott struck with the friend's resolve. You got this, brother, man. Kick his ass. The river consumed Todd Wilkinson and I along with Kara, was flung backwards into the river. My last thought before unconsciousness took me. We won. This has been a Black and Grim production. The Black and Grim podcast is an original horror fiction production and cannot be reproduced without written consent from the creators. The author, Grim, owns all rights to the story. Reproduction or use without written consent from the author is strictly prohibited. Thank you for joining us for Season 1. It's been a wild ride, full of heartbreak and darkness. But there is hope, yes? Well, with our first season concluded and the Halloween season in full swing, Grim and I are preparing something lovely for the 31st. See you next time, Minions and Meat Puppets. Grim, where are... Oh no!